job. That is good. That is good stuff. Go in your Bibles, if you would, to Ruth chapter number one. Great job, young ladies. That's a blessing. I am so excited to see where our kids are going to go for Jesus Christ. It's neat. It's real neat. Uh, Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Stretch your legs out. Ruth chapter number one. Probably good to stand since you'll be sitting for the next two and a half hours. So Amen. I'm kidding. Those that are visiting are like, what? What did he just say? We're, we're not going to do that. Well, Ruth chapter one. Uh, you, you can tell if you're visiting, you're kind of like, what did that guy just say? Uh, we won't do that to you. Ruth chapter one. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse number one. If you're not familiar with Ruth, I hope to try to bring you up to speed a little bit on the history. Uh, but uh, there's, some, some, uh, there's a major thought that I want to get across uh, this morning. And uh, the thought is the parting of the ways, the parting of the ways. And uh, I believe there are moments of life where things become very crystal clear. You're going to have to go in one of two directions. And uh, this story, the beginning, the unfolding of the story, of Ruth, because the story of Ruth is a vast one. There's only four chapters, but man, there is so much content and so much application to our lives today. I can't do it justice in one service. I'm going to try to extrapolate one main thought from this first chapter, the beginning of the story. And the thought is simply this, uh, the parting of the ways. How will you handle that parting of the ways? Uh, I think years ago, it was Yogi, Yogi Berra, the famous baseball player that said, when there's a fork in the road, you take it. Remember that? And uh, the idea is, I don't want to have to make a decision. When I get to the decision point, I, I'd rather just kind of just imagine that whatever I do from here doesn't really matter. What you do when you're at a place where there's a fork in the road can make a difference for years to come. Amen. And it can make a difference for eternity. Look at Ruth chapter 1, verse number 1. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and there was famine in the land, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. If you're, if you're, hopefully you're tracking this. Uh, Naomi leaves with her husband Elimelech, from the land of Israel, the promised land, because there was a famine, a time of testing, and they went to the country of Moab just to sojourn there, just to stay for a little bit. And they ended up dwelling there for a long time, so long that the sons became more comfortable with that culture than the culture of their homeland, so much so that they married wives of the land of Moab, something that God had forbidden in the Old Testament. And here you read about these two daughters-in-law that are going to be leaving Moab and going back with Naomi, back to the land of Israel, because they heard that God had again blessed his own land. And so they thought they'd make the trip with her. Look at verse 8. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. 
You see, back then there was no legal obligation. Once the husband was dead, they were loosed from that marital relationship, and now they could go on and they could seek another relationship once again. And yet, they had stayed with their mother-in-law to take care of her. She's acknowledging that as they're making this move back, and she's also really going to try to convince them, maybe you don't want to go with me. Look, if you would, at verse 9. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. Uh, you ever, ever have a hard time saying goodbye to family at a family reunion? You know, I can tell you this, Latinos, there's like five goodbyes before you ever actually leave. <laughs> It's really just the way that it is, right? And, and so they're, they're saying goodbye one more time, but this time it's a little bit different. Look, if you would, at verse number 14, they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And Ruth, Naomi says this, Behold, thy sister-in-law, or she's talking to Ruth now, has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather one more time. Lord, I pray that you would... Help us, Lord, to, to see you, Lord, the message here and to understand what it is you're trying to say to us. And God, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, that he's the fork in the road for them right now. Amen. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't just uh, bypass that. They would understand they have to go past him, through him. And rather than rejecting him, I pray that they would choose the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, I pray for every believer that's here, Lord, I I'm sure, Lord, that in some way, many, if not all, are going to be facing, if not facing right now, Lord, a parting of the ways. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them, Lord, to choose wisely, to choose how Ruth did versus how Orpah did. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be seated if you would. So here's basically the story. God uh, uh, brings a famine in the land of, of Israel. And during that time of testing, uh, Naomi and her husband Elimelech, they, they move and they decide, well, there's greener grass over there in Moab, so, so let's leave the place. By the way, Bethlehem means the house of bread. So they literally left the place that's called the house of bread because there was a temporary time of inconvenience. Listen carefully, Christian. A lot of Christians make a, 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 a find themselves in a place where they can go in one of two directions. 
And oftentimes the catalyst for that is inconvenience. It's something that comes in your life that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe something comes, a a trial, a test. Maybe someone says, you know what? I'm no longer going to follow God. I don't want you to follow God either. Whatever it might be, that's where they were at. And you know what they did? They chose Moab. They chose the world. Greener grass, listen to me, is not always as green as you think it is. And sometimes, I'm not trying to be funny, sometimes, as the old saying goes, you got greener grass because someone's septic tank overflowed in it. Greener grass is not, listen, there's all kinds of reasons why people look over and they go, man, I've got to go there. Yeah, but this is where God wants me. Yeah, but you know what? It looks easier there. It looks better there. It looks like maybe I'm missing out on something. Uh, young people talk about FOMO and the, the fear of missing out. And I, I got to be there. I got to, listen, there are some places you don't need to go. <laughs> There's some people you don't need to be around. There's some experiences you should avoid at all costs by the grace of God. Just because it looks better in Moab doesn't mean that it is. She goes, we're going to sustain our lives. We're going to build a better life. We're going to make a better family there. It'll be better for us. That's what Naomi and her husband Elimelech thought. And when they got there, you know what happens? Naomi's husband Elimelech dies, and her two sons, Malon and Chilion, they die. And so Naomi's left going, man, I thought this would be a good move. Look at me now. I'm bitter. Can I say this? Just because you can't see God blessing right now doesn't mean you have permission to move from where God wants you to be. Sometimes you can remain more full when you're actually empty. How about this for a lesson learned from the story? You embrace whatever it is that you're around. Malon and Chilion were commanded to marry uh, people of Israel. You say, what is it a picture of? It's a picture of us today in regards to being the people of God and, and making sure that we are not unequally yoked. And you know what they did? They went to a foreign land and they adopted the practices and the, the worship of those gods. How do I know this? Because uh, Naomi, uh, Naomi tells her daughter-in-law, go back to your gods. This was a parting of the ways between Ruth and Orpah. Orpah's looking at this going, man, it's easier, it's more convenient to stay where I'm at. I don't know. Listen, guys, it was a 30-mile 30, uh, 30 trip, that's what it was, from Moab down to Bethlehem, Judah. You know what that is today? About a 30-minute drive. It wasn't 30 minutes back then. This is a 7 to 10 day journey through rough terrain. And listen, this last week we were driving, you know, through the, uh, from Colorado uh, through Wyoming. By the way, anyone that says the earth is overpopulated, would you please drive through Wyoming? <laughs> you know, maybe drive through the desert of Utah and, you know, up into Idaho for the love of God. Uh, the earth is over. No, no, no. Sorry. Listen, get some people out of the city. Drop them in the forest in Idaho. We're good. We're good. You know what I thought when I'm driving through the wilderness? Oh, God, it's so hard. My butt's getting sore. I've got an air-conditioned car with air conditioning coming through the seat itself. I've got leather chairs. I've got all the conveniences that I could ever want. And I'm sitting there going, oh, God, it's so hard. My butt's sore. And here you are going through a 7- to 10-day journey by foot. Three women by themselves, potentially. That's why Orpah goes, I'm not sure I want to go. You see, you have to understand that We live in a time, look if you would at verse number one, the Bible says that when they made this decision to move to Moab, it was a time when the judges ruled. You know, if you look at the book of Judges, you know what you find out in the book of Judges? It was a time when there was no authority. If you look at what God did, God said, okay, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, bring Israel out of Egypt. 
God used that man, that leader, to, get, to, get, to accomplish that goal. And then when Moses was off the scene, Moses passed on the baton to Joshua. And then when Joshua was off the scene, the generation that, that lived during Joshua's lifetime, they worshiped and they served God. But in, within a few generations, they forgot their God. They had no authority. They had no leadership. You know what everyone's doing? The Bible says in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It's like living as if God doesn't exist and I'm making up the rules as I go. You know why they moved to Moab? There was no prayer. There was no searching of the scriptures. There was no God, what do you want? It was simply, I can do it, so I will. (laughs) Christian, can I say this? You'll find yourself in a world of hurt if you live that way. The Bible says there's coming a time when they will not endure sound doctrine but they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I don't want the Bible as my... Th- and by the way, when some jack wagon comes around and says, you know what, uh, the Bible can't be trusted, and, uh, well, there's mistakes in the Bible. You know what they're really saying? Don't trust God's authority. Trust me as your authority. When someone tries to tell you you shouldn't follow a man that's following the Bible, you know what's funny about that? Paul the Apostle says, be followers of me as I follow Christ. When someone steps in and goes, you shouldn't follow someone that's following the Bible, what they're really saying is, don't follow them, follow me. You know what the Bible says about that? It's literally like going back to the book of Judges when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You have to understand this, guys. God is a particular God, and he wants his will done, listen to me, his way in your life. You don't make the rules. And I don't make the rules. I did not write that book. There are th- Listen, there are things in that book that I don't like. I'm being honest with you. So, oh, oh. I love that book, but I don't always like everything in it. Does this make sense? Amen. Uh, how about this one? Husbands, love your wives. It's not that part. I love her. That's easy. But here's where it gets hard. As Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. You young guys don't know this experience yet, but someday you will. You'll be soundly asleep or at least literally about to put your head on your pillow. And right as at the moment where your head, the cranium, touches that fluffy device that was made for you to rest and enjoy. Right as you do that, she goes, honey, I was thinking. And you know it's going to be two hours. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Yeah. All right. And you know what the Lord does? The Holy Spirit of God rushes in that room, and he goes, Adrian, you ought to shut up and listen. <laughs> Seriously. And you know what I want to say? Babe, can we just do this some other time? Can we just talk? And the Lord goes, hey, hey, whenever you want to talk to me, I'm not too busy. Woo. You see, loving her as Christ loved the church, I don't like that, but it's right. Amen. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. Every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. That's what got them in the situation that they were in in the land of Moab. Searching for purpose and searching, listen to me, for identity. If you're a child of God, you should not be searching in the world for your identity. You are a born-again, the blood-bought, child of the king. Live like it. Identify. We live in a world where everyone, I identify, you know, as a cat. I saw a video of some lady that has her, her, her husband in a dog uh, uh, suit, running around. She's holding her, her husband on a leash. You know, I thought to myself, at least they're honest about their relationship. <laughs> Anyways, here's this guy running. And I'm thinking to myself, where are we? He identifies as a dog. You know what you have today? People that don't know what to identify. You're a child of God. Identify with that first and foremost. Amen. 
You, you listen, the reason why the world is wrestling and struggling with identity is because that image, that, that, that image of God cannot be found outside of Christ. Think about this. The Bible says in Galatians, there's neither male nor female. You know what that is? That's God saying, in Christ, you are all of equal value to me because your soul is priceless in my sight. And yet the world is trying to find that, that place of contentment with God. Men and women are exactly the same. So we'll just make it to where I'm a man, but I can be a woman. And God goes, that's not how it works. You get that in Christ. You don't seek it some other way. And, and Christians, let me tell you something right now. You're going to come upon some time in your life where God doesn't make sense or you're frustrated with God or the circumstances are against you and there's a famine in the land. And you're going to say, well, I'm leaving. I'm leaving church. I'm leaving my Bible. I'm going to go to Moab. Let me tell you something. You don't always come back the way you left. You know, Naomi says at the end of that chapter, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. That's Hebrew. That's the Greek, uh, the Greek word for, uh, the Greek name for that uh, is Mary, as we know. You know what, what Mary experiences? The bitterness of watching her own son die on the cross. Her name's Mary. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it's Mara. You know what she says? Don't call me Naomi. I'm not blessed of God. I'm bitter. You know why she's bitter? Because she lived life on her own, making up the rules as she went along with her husband and doing things as if God didn't even exist. Don't live that way, Christian. You'll pay for it. You know why you'll pay for it? Because there's a natural law of sowing and reaping, but also your heavenly Father cares about you so intently and so personally that when you get off track, He will allow things to come in your life to go, Hey, remember me. (laughs) There was a famine in the land. You say, what is that a picture of? It's a picture of testing and trying. The Bible talks about a famine that Abram went through, a famine that, that uh, reunited uh, Joseph and his brothers there in, in the land of Egypt, there toward the end of the book of Genesis. One time there's a famine in the land of Israel because God's people had turned their back on God. And this is past the time of the judges, past Ruth, when there was a king named Ahab. Uh, where we're at in, in Ruth, there is no king of Israel yet. Saul has not been named. David has not yet been named. And so we're in that middle ground, right? But in the future, there's a man named Ahab, and there's a famine in the land. And what's interesting about that story is this, is that Ahab has a bunch of his men, including a man named Obadiah, looking for water to feed their horses and their camels. You say, what for? Just to try to keep some of the livestock alive. Let me tell you something. In America, we don't know what it's like to go through a famine, at least not this generation. (laughs) I mean, let me tell you something right now. You nice folks who are nicely dressed and train each other cordially and open the door and yes, ma'am and no, sir. And and that, that goes out the window when people are starving. It gets real different. It gets crazy. And, and the Bible uh, recounts for us a number of times that famines take place, and the way people respond is interesting. Ahab is out there looking for water everywhere he goes, and the very person that he has searching for water is a man named Obadiah, and Obadiah's got 50 of God's men of God, 50 prophets hiding in a cave, and you know what he's doing? Feeding them food and water. Can I ask you a question? If they're searching for water everywhere during that famine, how does Obadiah have access to water and nobody else? I'll tell you the answer. God. You see, Ahab is looking all over the place for water. And you know what it's like? It's like you searching all over God's creation to find your identity, to find your purpose, to find joy and contentment and the blessing of God. And it was right in front of you, right where you left it. I'll never forget years ago, I don't know if Miss Angie's here this morning or not, we went to summer camp uh, in Utah, the wilderness of Utah, with a church out of Las Vegas. And uh, so we went to summer camp there, and, and it was literally, I mean, in the middle of nowhere. 
100 degrees every day, blazing hot. I don't know who went with us on this trip, but uh, I think you did, didn't you? Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, James, you and De- yeah, that's right. And it was, it, was, uh, it was a hot, very, very hot and tiring week. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what was interesting about it. There was literally no internet signal, none, none. And you know what? That's actually a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's, that's kind of good to get that refreshment. But like there was none. I had to pay a bill. I didn't want to be late. So I told the preacher, say, hey, preacher, uh, we got to do something. There's no internet here. He goes, oh, yeah. Well, what do you need me to do? Uh, I said, well, if you could plant a tower in front of me, that'd be great. But if you can't do that, let's go for a drive and see if we can find it. So literally, we drive. I'm talking an hour, hour and a half. And I'm doing, I don't know if you've ever done this, where you take your phone and you stick it like, you're doing like, you know, this number and you're putting it on the metal part of the car going, maybe it'll get better frequency that way. <laughs> Clearly, we don't understand how this works. But I'm doing all this kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm, I mean, we drive for an hour and a half all through this desert, pretty much. And, and finally, I said, bro, I said, we got to get back. Just, just forget about it. The bill's going to be late. Don't worry about it. And he said, okay. We turned around. We had good fellowship that came out of it. We drove around, came back in the property, and he's driving really slow. And we came in a different way than we went. We came in, we actually went by, and through a driveway right by a house that's on the property. I think it's the house of the people that, that take care of the property. And as he's driving really slow, I said, well, all of a sudden I'm getting all kinds of messages. And uh, I said, uh, hey, preacher, can you stop the car? And he stopped it. And I said, uh, this house here, are you thinking what I'm thinking? He goes, yeah. I said, sounds like it's got internet. Oh, yeah, they told me that. Sometimes you go looking for stuff when it's right in front of you the whole time. You know, this family goes out trying to find something to make their life better, and they come back broken. But in this story, in the midst of all of that, the Bible says that Ruth comes back with Naomi, and she holds on to her. But Orpah goes back to her own people. You say, what is that, a parting of the ways? Can I say this? God is a God of division. In order, you go, oh, no, no, he's a, a God of unity. Yes, he is, but bear with me. All right, who's married in here this morning? Would you raise your hand? All right, so I'm just going to pick on you because I know you better. I don't want you. Yeah, they won't leave the church. They're stuck. I can't. Yeah. So if, if, I, if I do this to visitors, my, oh, that's the last time I've come to that church, you know? So, so they, they've been here 10 plus years. Look, if, if somebody walked up to your husband, oh, and, and by the way, I got to tell you a funny story. I'm wrestling with these boys. I got a bum leg. I shouldn't be doing anything. I went and said, I'm not going to play paintball. They wrangled me into that. I was wearing shorts. Got my leg all nasty, welted from paintball. By the way, ladies, if you're going to do play paintball and someone's in front of you and they're on your side, don't shoot them. Okay? So anyways, it, it, I was wrestling with these guys and it started off with like, you know, pool noodles and before we're at the lake. Before you know it, it's full on tackle. And in one of those motions, the ring came off. Yeah, just as the moment that my wife was leaving that day. Looks really suspicious, doesn't it? Or as the young folks say, pretty sus, bro. <laughs> so, so anyways, someone walks up to your husband and says, hey, are you in a relationship? You would stand, you would like kind of jump in front of him and go, I think you're wanting to talk to me. And the answer is absolutely yes. You know what she just did? She just divided him from another woman. You know, when you get married, the Bible says you leave your father and mother's house and you cleave. So you can't, you can't stay united with everything. If you're united with everything, you're united to nothing. 
So God, what God does, he divides things for us to see the clear path, the right path. And he goes, I'm gonna divide this from this so you see the right way to go. So in the beginning of the book of Genesis, you know what God does? He separates the light from the day. He separates Israel from Egypt. He says it this way, wherefore, Christians, come out from among them and be ye separate. Why? He wants us to be different, to be dedicated unto him. You know what that means? He divides us from the elements of this world. If you're going to follow God, you need to do that. So you know what you know what Orpah does? Orpah looks at the situation. She goes, you know what? I'm not so sure that I want to go. I think I'm just going to stay where I'm at. There's a parting of the ways. And Ruth says, you know what? I'm willing to leave what I know. I'm willing to leave the land that I have grew up in. I'm willing to leave my gods, and I'm willing to follow your God. I'm willing to leave my people, and I'm willing to follow you in your quest to be united with your people. You know what that is? That's a division. Can I say this this morning? You will never follow God without having moments in your life where God goes, which is it going to be? Is it family first, or is it me? Is it money first, or is it me? Now, let me just say this right now. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, the choice for you is so much more simple. You don't have to worry about that. Here's what the, 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 the fork in the road is for you. Here's the parting of the ways for you. Is it my own self-righteousness? Will I get to heaven by my own good works? Or will I get to heaven by what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary? That's your fork in the road. And you know what a lot of people say? I'll do it myself. Well, if you do it yourself, you can go to a place called hell that God never wanted you to go to. And the Bible says the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. And you know, people say, I can't believe that God would be so mean to put people in hell. Well, let's turn that around for a moment. How is it that you put the blame on God when God went out of his way, sent his only begotten son, died in your place, wrote it down in a book, and you ignored it and blame it on God? How's that God's fault? It sounds to me like he did his part. Whether you hold on to your own self-righteousness or you're willing to let it go, is your parting of the ways if you're lost. But Christian, can I remind you that if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to have your own parting of the ways. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The parting of the ways for a believer is a split between familiarity versus faith. You know what you're comfortable with? What you understand. You know what you're comfortable with? The five senses. You know what you're comfortable with? What makes sense to you. You know what you're comfortable with? With your own logical reasoning and understanding of life. Rather than saying, I walk by faith and not by sight. Do you know what Ruth had to do? Ruth had to have enough faith to go, I don't know what the trip's going to be like. Seven to ten days walking through the wilderness. I'm not sure what that, us, me, and one other old lady, that's no way to travel. That was their entourage. She had to have faith that whatever God it was that, that Naomi believed in, that God would be so great, he would protect us and get us to where we're going. And when we got there, he would provide for us. You say, what was that? Great faith for someone that really didn't know much about the God of the Bible. I cannot imagine walking 10 days in the wilderness. I'm spoiled, man. You know? Here's these two ladies, one young, one old, walking in the middle of nowhere, trying to find their way back to Naomi's home. Can I say this? You don't have the narrative that you have from the Old Testament if it wasn't for a man named Abraham being willing, listen to me, to leave his father's house. 
I, I, okay, listen, I've come up with some harebrained ideas. I mean, I really have. I come up with some ideas, and my wife's really good about bringing me down to earth. We're good for each other, you know? Uh, I, I kind of go, we can do this. And she goes, we don't have time. But I'm like, okay, well, we could do this. And she goes, are you sure you have enough people? Oh, shut up. But she's right. We balance each other out very well. Now, now, now having said that, I, I've come up with some ideas. I mean, you know, in my spare time, I applied for a Chick-fil-A franchise. She's like, are you out of your mind? I'm like, I just want to bless God's people with holy chicken, babe. That's all. But imagine, imagine, imagine going to your wife, gentlemen, and going, hey, babe, we're moving. Okay, next question. You know what the next question is, right? Where are we going? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, how do we know we get there? Well, just know. Well, who gave you this idea? God? Can I talk to him? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, really, that's about how that would go? And here Abraham is going, I mean, think about this. And the next day he's starting to pack his bags. His wife's wife's like, I thought you were kidding. I'm I'm serious. You're following a God you don't know to a place that you don't know. And you say, when we get there, we're going to know. And and by the way, you said God's going to make a nation out of us. I can't have a baby. And by the way, you're 75. This is retirement age. This is not where you pick up and unroot yourself and go, I'm going to go on a trip to find where God wants me to live. This is where you sit down, play golf, drink some Arnold Palmers, and call it good. But you know what Abraham experienced? He experienced stories that we're still telling today. You know why some of you have no stories to tell? You know why some of you buy books about other people's lives to learn about faith? Because you haven't lived any of yourself. Because you're, you're going, you know what, uh, uh, that's, too, that's too much, I can't do it. So you stay with what's familiar, what's comfortable to you. And you know what that is? That's a sign of the flesh. The flesh wants to do what's comfortable for the flesh. God goes to, the Lord goes to Peter. And he goes, Peter, uh, would, you, would you launch out into the deep? Oh, well, I'm washing my net, Lord, but okay, fine. And then he gets out there and the Lord's like, hey, let down your net. Well, Lord, I, I've been here all night. I'm a professional fisherman. I know what I'm doing. Look, you stick to the Bible stuff. Let me do my job. The Lord goes, well, just, just let it down. And he pulls it back up, and it starts to break, and he has to get other guys to come help him. And he goes, what in the world? And you know what's funny about that? At the end, the Lord shows up again after the resurrection. He says, hey, Pete, why don't you throw that net down on the right side of the ship? And he does, and once again, it's almost like, I feel, ever been there? Like, I feel like I've been here before. Like spiritual deja vu. Like, I'm going through the same thing. Why? You haven't learned it yet. You know, when Peter got into trouble, in Luke 5, when he let down the net, he says, nevertheless, at thy word. You know what faith is? It's really simple. It's believing what God says in spite of your feelings, in spite of your finances, in spite of your emotions, in spite of whatever. It is you going, that's what God said. I, don't, I, don't, I may not like it. I may not fully understand it. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. I'm changing the, the baby's diaper the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, at one point, the Savior of mankind was in diapers. That's weird. <laughs> and imagine that God, the Bible says God was manifest in the flesh. 
And, and I can understand that as a, as a grown man that resists temptation and, and, and is hanging on the cross and becomes sin for me. And he did all that because he loved me. I, I can see that there, but to see him as a baby, to see him as a toddler, and there he is going to the stove and he's going to touch it out of curiosity. Why? Because the Bible says he had to learn obedience. He had to go through the human experience. And what does Mary do? Mary takes his hand as a good mom and goes, don't touch Jesus. See, some of you have this idea that like Jesus floated out of his crib. Never had a poopy diaper. I mean, we almost deify him to the point where he's no longer human at all. And I get that some people go the other direction, and that's wrong as well. But I understand that some don't ascribe to him uh, divinity, and they don't see him as God, and he is God. But he was manifest in the... And so he lived that human experience, and, and, and I, I don't understand that. For me to wrap my mind around that, it's really hard. You know what I have to do? I have to say, well, God said it. So I believe it. You know what Ruth was able to do? She was able to operate by faith. Someone that had no Bible, no Bible training, no church. She just said, I believe in your God. You know the Bible says about Moses? By faith, Moses. Moses did all kinds of great stuff, didn't he? You know how Moses did it? By believing God. Matter of fact, you know where Moses kind of stops the end of his story stops i mean here's a guy can you imagine i'm not i'm not talking down on moses by the way he's a better man than i am i mean to take a million people through a wilderness and have them complain about you all the time and gripe and rant and rave and you know that if they had facebook back then they'd have secret facebook groups you know we we want a petition to get rid of moses as our leader you know he thinks he knows everything and why has god only spoken by him actually yes shut your mouth you know and and that's how it would be today sure and here's Moses, and he's dealing with this year after year after year. And, and God says to him, look, uh, last time I had you do this, you, you smote the rock and the water came out, and that was great. But here's what I want you to do this time. I want you to walk up to that rock, and I want you to go, all right, do your thing. I mean, the Bible says he, he, he was commanded by God to speak to the rock. What was he supposed to say? <laughs> you ever think about that? Like, I know it's in there somewhere. You can do this. <laughs> right? And, and the Lord says, go speak to the rock. You know what he does? He smacks it. You go, oh, it's because of his anger. That's part of it. You know what the other thing, the other part was? A little bit of pride and a little bit of what if it doesn't work. So let's just bypass God's way. Let me just do it my way. I got water out of the rock. What does it matter? It does matter. Because now you're doing it in your flesh. You didn't do it by faith. You know what, some of, you, some of you will go so far, I've watched this, come to church, start learning the, 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 the doctrines of the Bible, and then you get to something, you go, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> what do you mean, you know, like, drinking is not right in the Bible? Like, Jesus turned water to wine. Yeah, you ever learn what the Bible says about new wine and old wine? Or, or are you just going to learn your Bible through TikTok for the rest of your life? You know, you know here, here, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You're going to come to a certain place in your Christian life where you go, okay, I was cool with everything up to here. H- how about John 6, where Jesus is like, hey, guys, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, his church, I mean, listen, if we're to take lessons about how to build a church, you wouldn't learn it from Jesus. Every time the crowd gets big, he splinters it down back to 12 guys. <laughs> True story. 
You got thousands of people, and every time it's just those 12 at the end. And oh, by the way, one of them is a devil. Couldn't even keep the first church he got going together. You know, what, you know why? Because he was more concerned about truth than he was about your feelings. You know what you have to do to, to follow God? You have to have faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. You know what faith is? Faith is your victory. I'll say it like this. Faith is the currency of heaven. You know what doubt is? Doubt is the currency of a broken spiritual economy on earth. It's your mind versus God's mind. You know when Peter got into trouble? Listen, when he, was, when he got those fish and he pulled that net up, he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let it down. When Pete got into trouble in between both of those uh, fishing experiences, one uh, in the early Gospels and one in John 21 after the resurrection, when he got into trouble, you know what it was? When he said, I know enough right now. I'm smarter than God. And even though Jesus said, this is how it's going to go, my word is more important than your word. You say, what was it? Mm, The opposite of faith. You know what God wants you to do? Christian, he's going to bring you to a certain point in your life where you go, okay, I'm now going in uncharted waters. I've never been here before. Can you imagine the priests that are carrying, the Levites that are carrying the ark? The, the Lord says, I want you to go to the brink of the Jordan River and I want you to step into it. Uh-huh. And then what? It, 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 it's going to part. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be dry. Um, yes, Levite number one. So, like, if you could make it dry... After we get in, could you make it dry like before we get in? Because I would prefer that. Guys, if I was there, I'd be like, Lord, I appreciate the message, but can you just like part it like the Red Sea? Like do that first, and then I'll get in. That's not what he tells him to do. He says, I want you to just dip your foot there, and once you put it in there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the rest. You know what that took? Faith. You know what's going to take in your life where you're at to continue to grow with the Lord Jesus Christ? Faith. But what about my marriage? Faith. But what about, what about the situation with my kid? Faith. But, but, but what about this relationship? Faith. But, but what, what, what's, I mean, guys, what about the building situation for our church? Faith! Amen. You keep stepping forward. You know what Ruth gets to experience? The goodness of God. This is the end of Orpah's story as we know it. Can I say this secondly? There's parting of the ways is about an old identity versus a new one. Look, if you would, again, at verse number 8, she says, hey, I want you to go back to your mother's house. Uh, look at verse number 10. They said unto her initially, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. If you look down at verse six, uh, 15 and 16, notice what Ruth says. Ruth, this, this Gentile that didn't know the Bible, didn't know the God of the Bible, she's operating by faith, and she says this, whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. You know what that is? I, don't, I reject my old identity. I'm going to embrace my new one. Listen, if you're a child of God, you have no business going back. You know what the Bible says about Orpah? The Bible says that she went back. You know, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you right now. You know what that is? That's a choice. Getting saved is a choice. Identifying with that new life after you're saved is also a choice. And I've watched Christians get saved, and they start getting discipled, and they come to church, and then they hit a speed bump in their life, and there are moments where you go, maybe I should just go back. Don't go back. Maybe I should pick up the bottle a little bit longer. Don't go back. Maybe I should go back to that relationship. Don't go back. God brought you out of that. 
You've got a new identity in Jesus Christ. Don't let that go. You know what the Bible says about Moses? By faith, when, he was, when Moses was of age, he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter's son. You know what that tells me? That tells me Moses could have had a better life, humanly speaking, by identifying with Egypt, and yet he rejected that. To say, no, 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 that's not who, listen to me. You know, I think, you know I think some of you are hearing every Sunday and you're not hearing the right thing. You're hearing don't do that when you should be hearing don't identify with that. You know why you do that? Because you still identify with that. You know why you'll do differently in the future? If you learn to identify with your new life in Jesus Christ. You know what's awesome, guys? When you get saved, God takes all your sins and he doesn't just cover them under something. God takes them, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, they can never touch. And if you circumvent the, 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 the circumference of the globe and you go around it, you would still be searching and searching and searching for your sin. And God says, don't keep looking. They're gone. <laughs> Thank God for that. And God goes, okay, in light of that, I've given you a new life. I hit the reset button. When me and my brother were little, we played Nintendo. It was A, B, up, down, left, right, start, and select. Can I get a witness for you 90s kids? Man, once the, once the buttons became more than that, I was like, I'm, call, I'm out, man. I'm out. I can't do, I don't, you know what's so funny? <laughs> Young people, oh, I just, I'm so full of anxiety. I can't do two things at once. Whatever. You got Call of Duty, you're listening to 40 people in 40 different countries, and, then you go, and I'm going, you can't do more than one thing at a time? You know, I remember when me and my brother used to play Nintendo, you know, I didn't like the way the game was going. Oh, it's such a bad big brother. You know what I would do? I'd be like, oh, oops, and I hit the reset button. And then we go fist the cuffs every time, man. You know, you know what God did when you got saved? He took your life and he goes, let's hit that reset button. But we're not going to oops it. I'm going to take your finger. I'm going I'm to have you push it right there when you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And the intention on God's part is that your life would never be the same. You know, God's part is saving you. Your part is identifying with that. You see? Oftentimes we go, well, I'm saved, but I'm still struggling. The reason why there's that struggle oftentimes is because you're still identifying as if that old person is still you. You're not the old man anymore. There's a new man inside of you named Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he wants you to experience the blessings of that new life. Listen to the New Testament when, when uh, Peter is, is uh, there with the Jews and the Gentiles, or uh, with the Gentiles, uh, the saved, uh, saved Gentiles, uh, Christians that had just gotten saved, but they're, they're not of the Jewish background, ethnically speaking. And he's hanging out with them and he's eating with them. And then Jewish people show up. You know what Peter does? He gets up real quick and rushes away from the table as if, oh, I don't want them to see me with them. You know what Paul does? He withstood him to the face. And he goes, buddy, what you did was wrong. We're Christians now. We don't do that segregating between Jew and Gentile anymore. We're one in Christ. Amen. What you did was wrong, brother. You know what Peter was doing? Listen carefully. Peter's a good man. I, I can't measure up to Peter. I'm not picking on him. I'm just showing you as an illustration. You know what Peter's doing? He's still identifying with the old way. You know what God's going to do? He's going to put you at a fork in the road where you go, old identity or new one? God wants to give you something better 
than what you had in the old life. He talks about better promises and a better covenant and a better mediator over than the book of Hebrews. You know why? Because God is just better. You know the old song, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abides, thank God, forever, through eternal years the same. Take the world, but give me Jesus, sweetest comfort of my soul. With the Savior watching o'er me, I can sing though thunders roll. Do you know why every once in a while when you're depressed and maybe you're down and you just kind of want to go back to the old way and maybe you want to listen to the old tunes and kind of, you say, what is it? It's, it's I'm longing to maybe identify with the old life. It wasn't fruitful. It led to death. Stay with Jesus Christ. And let me just say this, if you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. Thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is so much better living in, in light of walking with Jesus Christ. I've got no skeletons in the closet. I can go to sleep at night. I can wake up knowing what I'm doing is, is something I can tell the world about. I've got nothing to cover. You know what's great about that? No guilt. There's no bondage in it. You know what it is? It's saying, God, I identify with you. I don't want to pick on Johnny, but him and his uh, sister are joining the church this morning. And he wrote this, God is so good. I never thought I could be this happy. Jesus gave me a new life. Amen. You know what that is? That's, that's someone that learns to identify with a new life. Can I say this? Look, if you would, at verse number 12. Verse number 12. You know what the parting of the ways is? It's a decision between your own power and the power of God. Look at what, what Naomi says in verse 12. She says here, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too what? All right, fill it in with yours. I'm too inexperienced. I'm too young. I'm too sinful. I'm too old. I'm too, uh, 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 I come from a rough background. I fill in the blank with whatever you want. You know what the problem is? The reason why you're not going to go any further, Orpah, listen, you know why Orpah, I believe, decided not to go on this trip? She looks at Naomi, she goes, you're right. You are old. I don't know that I want to follow you. I don't know what the future is going to look like. You know what Naomi did? She cast doubt on what God was trying to do in Orpah's life. You know why? Because she was relying on her own power. You know what some Christians do, and they have a, kind of a rough Christian life? Everything they do is in their own effort. It feels hard. You ever had those dreams? I don't know, but you, you, you men, I'm not sure how you men are. I have dreams. For years, I had dreams about finding North Koreans. I have no idea why. I was like a Puerto Rican Rambo. I don't know why. Too many movies. Too many movies is probably what it is. Uh, but you ever have those dreams where someone breaks into your house? You know? And you're going, I mean, I mean Steon's nodding right now. And you're going, and here's the, let's say Steon's the attacker. And I'm, and like your hand turns to jello in the dream. And like everything's like, it's like you're swimming through peanut butter. And like, why is this so hard, Right? Then you wake up from the dream and go, oh, thank God it was just a dream. <laughs> you know what some Christians do with their Christian life? They live their entire Christian life that way. You know why? You're doing it in your power. You, you know why Naomi loses someone along the way that could have come along with her? You know what she could have said? I am too old, but God is still good. Amen. I am very alone, but God is still good. Amen. I am weak. But when I'm weak, he's strong. I am insufficient, but my sufficiency, as Paul says, is of God. You know what God's going to do? He's going to go, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to lean on your own self, your own power? 
or are you going to lean on mine? You say, oh, I thought this story was just about Ruth and Orpah. Yeah, but Naomi plays a part in this because Naomi is the picture of the Christian that's been living in the world for a long time. When God brings down the walls of Jericho, that was his power. I'm sorry, guys, but if I'm Joshua and the Lord's like, okay, here's the plan. You're going to walk around the city so many times. And then you're going to walk around and you're not going to say anything. And then you're going to blow trumpets. I'd be like, uh, Lord, but if this goes on YouTube and it doesn't work, we're going to look really dumb. <laughs> you know what the issue is? Reliance on what I can do. It's just saying, God, you're all powerful. Amen. You know why some of you won't get involved with ministry at church? Because you look at all your insufficiencies and all your insecurities and all the ways in which you are incomplete, and you go, I can't. And God goes, you can't, but I can. Amen. Look, if you would, at verse number... 14. They lift up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother in law. But Ruth clave into her. You know what I think is uh, another parting of the ways for a lot of believers? It's a decision between complacency and determination. You know what, what Orpah said? Well, it sounds like it just might be a little too hard. I think I'll just stay back. You know what Ruth said? Let's go and have an adventure. You know what's amazing to me? You Christians, some of you people will risk money on investments and you'll risk all kinds of things in life to get ahead. You'll even risk relationships if you think you can get ahead. You'll risk all kinds of things. And when it comes to God, you're like, no, I think I'll just sit down and watch everybody else do it. You're missing out. Let me ask you, is there a book in your Bible called Almost Oprah, Orpah? No one writes a book about Orpah. Do you know why? Because this is it for her. She goes, man, I'm just good here. I don't need to go any further. That's where a lot of you Christians are at. I'm good right where I'm at. I don't need to go any further. I'm saved. I know where I'm going when I'm dying. That's good enough for me. And I'm telling you right now, thank God you're saved. I don't want to take away from that. Thank God that you know heaven's your home. God is your father. Christ is your savior. That's great. But you are missing out on experiencing God. You know, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord. In 1964, there was a young lady, 28 years old, bartender named Kitty Genovese. And she was walking home in the borough of Queens in New York City. And she was uh, brutally attacked in ways I won't mention here and eventually murdered in, listen to me, Daylight with 30 eyewitnesses being present. 30 neighbors. You know, when they went back and interviewed these people and said, why didn't you do something? You know what they said? I thought somebody else would. You know what that is? Complacency. It's not my job. Someone else will take care of it. That life was snuffed out brutally just like that and you could have stopped it. You know, some of you say, if I was there, I would have done something. Some of you guys, you know, always sweat the leg, sweep the leg, no mercy. You know, I would have done something. (laughs) You're saved? 
And you walk by lost people all the time who are on their way to hell without Jesus Christ. And you keep your mouth shut. You know why? You're complacent. That's the preacher's job. I'm sorry, guys, but uh, I don't see in the New Testament that there's like a pastor class and then everybody else. One of the doctrines of the New Testament church is the priesthood of the believer. We're all on the same footing there, guys. Oh, oh, the missionary. That's why I put my money in the plate. So someone will go and tell someone about, listen, I'm sorry. You drop in five bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks does not absolve you of your responsibility and your opportunity, I should say, of telling others the greatest story that's ever been told, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, guys, I'll be honest with you. I went to Utah. And we went to this beautiful garden, and 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 they had these sculptors uh, from the the Latter Day Saints Church, and and I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, picking on them. I'm just simply saying they had the, the the sculptor that was a great artist, and they had these amazing amazing Bible stories laid out in sculpture throughout this garden. It was phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And you know what was out in the forefront? I'll tell you what was out in the forefront. The woman that was caught in adultery, and they've got stones, and Jesus Christ is writing something down. You know what's out in the forefront? Uh, Lazarus in the tomb like this and Jesus at the entrance with the two sisters side by side. You know what's at the forefront? Uh, Jesus Christ carrying that cross. You know what's at the forefront? The stories that will change the world forever and ever and ever. And you know what's off in the distance kind of tucked behind everything else? Some story about some guy in upstate New York finding some tablets. You know why? Because that's not the story that's going to change your life. You know, the greatest story ever told is about a man named Jesus Christ. You've got the story. You've been told to leave what you're familiar with. Why aren't you going? Let, let me ask you this. Do you think it's somebody else's job? I think Orpah looked at this and said, you know, Ruth, you got this. I'll stay here. She missed out. Look at verse 15. We'll be done. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people. Watch this. And unto her what? See, this, this, this parting of the ways, it's a little more than what you realize. It's a parting of the ways between truth and falsehood. You see, it's not just about what I prefer. You know what truth is? Truth is, I love when someone says, Well, my truth. No one gets to claim the right on truth, guys, except for God himself. The psalmist says his truth will be magnified. You know why? Because God is the author. God is true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. God is the, the beginning of all truth, is God himself. In the Old Testament, in, in that, that Ark of the Covenant, that, that box, if you will, when they look inside of that, there are three things that are in there. You've got the tablets of stone. You have the, the, uh, the, 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 the budding rod of Aaron. And, and you've got the manna that was preserved supernaturally. When you look in there, you see those tablets of stone. Do you know what you're reminded of? The fact that God sets the rules. All truth begins with God. You're going to find a certain point in your life, Christian, where you're going to go so far until which time you come up upon a truth and you go, not sure I want to jump on that. I think I'll stay behind. The Lord goes, yeah, but come on, just give it a shot. Yeah, Lord, I just, I don't want to be considered, you know, like a freak or a Bible thumper, so I'm just, I'm going to stay back on this one. 
there are those who will follow for a time, but somewhere along the way, <laughs> I mean, okay. Someone goes, you really believe that in six literal days, God made the heavens and the earth? You know, God made everything? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You really believe there was an explosion billions of years ago <laughs> that no one saw? And out of that explosion came order? You believe, really believe that? You, yeah, yeah, I do, because I'm sophisticated. No, you're, you sound like a fool. Amen. That makes no sense at all. And you may go, well, I don't believe. Okay, then you don't believe the Bible. Quit saying you're a Christian. Stop it. Stop with the games. Stop saying, I'm a Christian, when you look at that book and spit on it, when it contradicts your idea of what is educational. And oh, by the way, it contradicts science itself. Science is demonstrable. Can someone show me evolution? Someone goes, oh, the moths in, 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 in London during the Industrial Revolution, there were chimneys that had smokestacks, and the moths flew through them, and then they started getting spots of them, and they reproduced uh, other moths, baby moths, with spots. Oh, great. You mean adaptation. That's not evolution, son. Learn your stuff. I can adapt to my environment. It doesn't mean I've evolved. Amen. You know why some of you have a real problem with this? Because I'm pushing a button right now, and you need it pushed. You need it pushed. You need to be told, you know what? And if it contradicts God, you're wrong. It's not about whether I'm wrong and you're right. It's about who's wrong. The Bible says, let God be true and every man alive. You know why people don't want God to create them? Because they don't want to be accountable to that God. And oh, by the way, if I can't trust what God said in Genesis, how can I trust that Jesus loves me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. How can I trust that? You know what you are? You're milk toast. You can't handle the heat, bud. That's your problem. You want to say that you believe God and you follow God until he contradicts your God. And by the way, I'll, I'll go to, to I have no problem whatsoever. I love it when someone goes, oh, you're unscientific. No, no, no. God is science. Some of you don't even know the definition. Science means knowledge. Con-science, conscience with knowledge. You know what all truth and all knowledge goes back to? God. And if God says, hey, buddy, I was there, I would know. You're probably better off dealing with that. And oh, by the way, can I also recommend this? That if you look at what science says about itself, and you look about the laws of science, you know what we call this? Watch it. We call that, listen carefully, the law of gravity. Last I checked, there's still called the theory of evolution. So let's be honest, shall we? You don't have science on your side. You have a faith. You aren't there to watch it. You can't demonstrate it. And there's all kinds of flaws in the system itself from the laws of thermodynamics and on. And yet somehow, I'm the unscientific one. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. Where was the original source of energy? <laughs> oh, a Big Bang. And you believe that because you were there? Oh, well, well they wrote about it. They, they came up with this idea in the 1800s. You can say at best the Greeks had this idea, maybe with some of the loose connections there, but at best... You know what I'm telling you? You've got in your hands, you've got the story of, of the God of this universe, the creator of this universe, giving the man supernaturally, here's how this went. And oh, by the way, there's nothing that you look at in this room and go, man, I sure am glad that there was an explosion at the, 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 the uh, what was the, the, the store you ladies like to go to? Hobby Lobby. I'm sure I'm glad <laughs> there was an explosion at the Hobby Lobby factory. Now came those cute decorations. 
And you know what? Some of you have a problem. Some of you are going, how dare you? Someone does this to God and you just sit there and don't have a problem with it. Man, I'll tell you what the problem is. You got a problem with truth. And you don't have a problem with truth because you're still God. And when you quit being God and you relinquish the throne, you might submit to some truth that will help you in your life. See, you see this as me being mean and nasty. I'm not mean and nasty. You see the things they say about your God out there? I couldn't even get close to that. I'm just trying to challenge your thinking a little bit. I believe everything except for the miracles. Okay. All right. You know, it was, it was a fish. It wasn't a whale. If God, who made everything, wants to call a whale a great fish, his prerogative, it's my prerogative, God can do that. Oh, I just don't believe, you know, it was the Reed Sea. It wasn't the Red Sea. You know, they walked through this marshy ground. Look, guys, I'm sorry. But, like, if I've got an army behind me and the only thing standing between me and freedom is, like, water up to my ankles, you think I'm, be- I'm like, oh, God, what are we going to do? I'll tell you, we're going to run for our lives. <laughs> but if there's a big sea in front of me that I can't part and God's breath is the only one that can move that. How about this one? Oh, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe that you can say that God's word is perfect. Okay, okay, so you want to say that God could save your soul and preserve it perfectly that had been tainted with all your sin, and God couldn't take words that he gave perfectly to begin with and preserve them? Hey, guys, why don't we just step back a little bit and go, you know what, you do the God thing better than I do. You know what that is? It's a parting of the ways. You know the Bible says in the end times, There'll be a, a spirit of Antichrist that works overtime. We read about that in 1 John. And you know what he calls that spirit? A spirit that tries to combine truth and error. You know what God does? God says, hey, this is truth. This is right. Let's go in this direction. Look, if you would, at Ruth chapter 4. We're going to the last chapter. Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, look if you would at verse 13. Let me, let me fast forward. It's already been long enough today. Ruth, this Gentile woman that didn't know the customs of Israel, knew nothing. She blindly, by faith, walks in the shadow of, of Naomi. And Naomi's a picture of a Christian that's just trying to get, find her way again. And she walks in the shadow of that person and eventually gets to the land of Israel after that treacherous journey. And, and as she, she works in the field, she takes whatever job she can get and she eventually meets this man named Boaz, and Boaz is a great picture of Jesus Christ, a Jewish man that will take a Gentile bride, the church. And what ends up happening is Ruth marries this older man, and Ruth is able to have a son. And Ruth hands that baby to Naomi, that woman that said, I'm, don't call me blessed of God, I'm just bitter. And with tears streaming down her face, Naomi looks at that baby and goes, I sure am glad I came back. And I bet when Naomi starts crying, Ruth starts crying because that's what they do. And Ruth starts crying and she goes, "Uh, yeah, this has been the best life. It's been the best journey. Wouldn't trade it for anything. It all goes back to that one day when you said you're going to go home and sure am glad I came with you. Look, if you would, toward the end of the chapter. 
and we'll be done. Look at verse 18. They named this child Obed. And if you would look, look down, if you would, at verse number 22, we'll just skip down through this. Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat who? You know what Ruth gets to be a part of? The lineage of Jesus Christ himself. A Gentile who didn't even belong. And she just gets plugged right into it. You know why? Because when that parting of the ways came, she chose God's way. She didn't choose hers or the world. Let's all stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. I pray you choose God's way. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you'd bless this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that hearts would be moved, spirits stirred. God, that your people would understand, Lord, that if you've dealt with them, this is a time to return that favor and talk back. Lord, if some decisions have to be made, Lord, maybe there's someone that's just broken, frustrated with where life has them. Lord, I pray that rather than going back to the old identity, going back to the world, God, that they might consider. They might consider following you. God, I pray for the Christian that's been in the world and feels like they can't make it back. Lord, I pray you just help them realize Naomi was bitter and broken and undone. She didn't just come back. She brought someone with her that would change history forever. Someone that was in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. Lord, there's nothing that you can't do through our lives if we're willing to part with the old and embrace the new. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that isn't saved, they might be saved today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you to take advantage of the altar. Maybe there's a decision that Lord wants you to make in your life. Maybe there's a parting of the ways for you. I don't know everyone's story, everyone's life, where they're at personally. I don't know. But I can tell you this. Truth is still truth. Right is still right. God is still God. And it still takes faith to follow Him. And you'll miss out. You will miss out on the fullness of the Christian life. If you're not willing, as a child of God, to say, Lord, I'm willing to part ways. I want you to consider this. A man says to Jesus Christ, my father died, let me bury my father. And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their dead. Come follow me. Come follow me. Well, Christian, can you follow him? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this question. And there's no rush to the altar. Take your time. Let me ask this simple question. Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if you died today, you'd be in heaven? If that's you and you know you're saved, child of God, would you raise your hand? It's the majority of you. Isn't that awesome? We're gonna, you know what we do for all eternity? Just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for us. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Can I just ask this question? If you couldn't raise that hand t- today, this morning, what, what's, what's holding you back? You know where you're at right now? You're at a parting of the ways. And the the Holy Spirit's going, you need to get saved. And you're going, yeah, but what will they think? You know what we'll think? We'll think, praise God, you got saved. Well, then they're going to know I'm a sinner. Join the club. 
Like, we're all sinners. It's kind of the need for, that's why we need to preach the gospel. We all need it. If you're here and you're not saved, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll ask another question. Would you be willing? People aren't staring at you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Some privacy here. Would you be willing to be honest with God and honest with yourself? And raise your hand and say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to drag you down to the altar. But I'll just say this. If there's never been a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the choice to make today. Maybe you've accepted him as Savior, but you've made a mess of things. Well, let me say again, join the club. We've all been there. When you walk in the flesh, you reap the consequences of it. That's the point of the message, to get you back on track. But if you're here and you've never had a moment in your life where you had a spiritual birth certificate, as Jesus said, you must be born again, and you're putting it off, can I ask you why that is? story is simple. God knew you. He loved you. He sent his son in your, in, in your place to die, in your place on the cross, take away your sins. He was buried and he rose again. You know what you find in other religions? Not picking on them and just pointing out a reality. You find tombs of their leaders and the bodies are still there and people make pilgrimages to them. People venerate those places. <laughs> you know what I love? There's an empty tomb that represents my Savior. No one like my Jesus. If you're here and you're not saved, I invite you after church. Come see me. Come see someone, one of our deacons, Brother James, Brother Sean, Brother Craig, one of these guys that can open up a Bible, Brother Tim, show you, Brother Eric, show you how to be saved. Say how you can be saved and know you're going to heaven when you die. If you're a young lady and you feel more comfortable with the lady, we'll get a lady to show you, but don't, don't leave without that. Don't leave today. Wouldn't it be a shame? The Bible says, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. Wouldn't it be a shame to have you listen to the message and go, yeah, I should do something about that. Walk out of here. Maybe take your last breath tonight and miss out on eternity. Parting of the ways. Make the right choice. Stay standing if you would. I'm going to invite uh, Johnny and Gabby up front. And uh, they're not like me. 